The king of Syria took control over Israel, even that God allowed that. That was stunning and it was revolutionary. Now, this is fascinating today as we read this. So join us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. And in Bible Discovery TV, we read the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And we do that every year. All right. Now, this is interesting. Today, we have Corey and Ryan. Corey. All right, so I also am going to be talking about the Assyrian exile of northern Israel that we read about in 2 Kings 17. Ryan? Today, I'm exploring the ruins of an ancient biblical city known today as Tel Arad, where there's possible evidence of Hezekiah's godly reforms. Very interesting stuff. They're coming up in about 20 minutes' time. Janice? Today, a change of heart. All right, so let's open up our Bibles and listen to what God says to us as we begin to study and look at 2 Kings chapter 17. Second Kings 17, 1 through 13. In the twelfth year of Ahaz king of Judah, Hoshea, the son of Elah, became king in Israel and Samaria, and he reigned nine years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hoshea became his vassal and paid him tribute money. And the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and by the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the city of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And they feared other gods, and had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel which they had made. Also, the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right, and they built for themselves high places in all their cities, from watchtower to fortified cities. They set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. There they burned incense on all the high places, like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger, for they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets, every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants the prophets. 
2 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. Second Kings chapter 17, chapter 18, and chapter 19. That's what we read today. It is really something as we begin to understand this and as we read about the fall of ancient Israel. Oh my goodness. A terrible time, the fall of ancient Israel. I'm struck with how their fall had nothing to do with normal suspects, their military, their economy, their political structure. Their fall had to do with their spiritual state. The fall of Israel had to do with their spiritual state. Do we understand that? Do we get that today? They had rejected God. The Lord had called them to move in ways, not grow in ways of other nations. And Israel had abandoned those ways. And God, who had rescued them out of Egypt, and with him, they abandoned their purpose. 2 Kings 17 gives us a report of this. It claims that God had sent prophets time and time again to warn Israel. But time and time again, they were largely ignored or worse. Now, this makes me think of the words that Paul the Apostle recorded about humanity in general when they refused to listen to God. You can find that in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. He says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to those things which are not fitting. To those things which are not fitting. You know, beloved, it is important for us to recognize today and to understand that we are making decisions every day of our lives. And the decisions we make, we live with the consequences of those decisions. And we need to keep that in our mind, keep that in our heart. Take your Bible guide and let me just say thank you for the donations. The donations are very important and we're behind right now, but that's okay. God will help us. Father, I pray that you would help us to get caught up. And, uh, you know, we, we just need your help, Lord, because this is a time of inflation. And this is a time when things are very, very difficult for everybody. And I pray for our partners, that you would help our partners and help the people, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that there would be people who would give according to your will. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can call us or write to us for a Bible guide, which takes you to the most important book of all. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, click on the page and it'll take you to this Bible guide. Takes you through the most important book of all the Bible. Now, I, I just need to say that today we talk about some things and we need to pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to hear you and help us to see you in your word. We don't want to apply ourselves to it. We want to listen and, and apply your word to our hearts. Help us, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 17. Let's look at verses 1 to 4 and let's study what God says, because this is important. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, the son of Elah, became king in Israel in Samaria. And he reigned nine years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Shalmanser, king of Assyria, came up against him. And Hoshea became his vassal. 
and paid tribute money. And the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hoshea, Israel's king. For he had sent messengers to Saul, king of Israel, or rather king of Egypt, and brought, or, or brought no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Boy, this is something. Hoshea conspired to rebel against Assyria by joining forces with Egypt. Israel joining forces. Are you serious? You see, God is our only hope for redemption, not human allegiances. I want to tell you something. I was watching some TV today and I was listening to what they were saying and I thought, they have no idea. I mean, the political structures in the land have no idea. The real message is for us, you and me, to come to God and to yield to the superior mind of the divine intellect. We must do that. Beloved, we must do that. If we don't, we are lost. And being lost, we're going to get into a lot of trouble, which we are already in. But if we repent and come back to God and say, no, we're going to come back to God and change our ways, that changes. Now, you've heard me say this over the past few days, but it's very important for us to understand. As we do that, things will change. God will help us through the weather, through whatever's going on. God will help us. Now, let's look at 2 Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse 5. Here is what it says. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and by the harbor, the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. Are you serious? The king of Assyria took control of Israel because God allowed it. God allowed that to happen. God can and does change governments. God can and does change governments. He has ultimate authority. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. I think we need to hear that. We need to really understand what that says. As we change our personal life, then things change around us and the things around us change the bigger things and that it changes the nation. You see, beloved, it starts close. It starts with you and me personally at home in our hearts. That's how it begins. Second Kings chapter 17, 7 to 13. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the land of Pharaoh, hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And they had feared other gods and had walked in the statutes of nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. Also the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. And they built for themselves high places in all their cities, from watchtowers to fortified city. They set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill under every green tree. There they burned incense on all the high places, like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them, and they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. 
For they served idols, which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all his prophets, every seer saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes, according to all of the law, which I command your fathers and which I sent to you by my servant, the prophets. Their hearts or the hearts of the people did not change. So their judgment was secured. We must change our hearts. We become like what or who we worship. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And in my segment today, we're going to be going to the ancient biblical city of Tel Arad, because there have been some absolutely fascinating discoveries here, which may directly connect with King Hezekiah and his father Ahaz. Now, just for some background, King Ahaz was evil in God's eyes because he made molded images for the Baals. He set up high places in all the cities of Judah and burnt incense to other gods. And he even went so far as to burn his own children in the fire. Thankfully, when his God-fearing son Hezekiah took over the throne, he put a stop to these debaucherous acts, and he even broke down these high places. Now, what's interesting is that there is a temple at Tel Arad that may just be one of the places of Ahaz that Hezekiah dismantled. Check it out. Located on the very edge of the Judean desert, approximately 80 kilometers south of Jerusalem, lie the ruins of an ancient biblical city known today as Tel Arad. So named because it is situated on a mound, or Tel in Arabic, and is located only 10 kilometers west of the modern Israeli city of Arad. Among these ruins, at the peak of the site is a fortress, and in that fortress is a temple. And in that temple, there is a room with pillars and a stone that some believe to be the Holy of Holies. Interestingly, this is the only temple discovered so far within the boundaries of the kingdom of Judah. And when this site was originally excavated in the 60s and 70s, archaeologists dated it to around the 10th century BC, the time of King David and Solomon. They also noticed that at the top of the two pillars of the shrine, there was an organic residue. But due to the limited technology of the time, scientific analysis of these substances was inconclusive. However, more recent teams of archaeologists have made some truly game-changing discoveries. For example, while it is still believed that the site itself dates back to the 10th century BC, archaeologists now think that the temple was built later, probably around the 8th century. Also, after several decades, archaeologists were finally able to identify the mysterious residue upon the two pillars, and in 2020 they published their findings. While the big pillar contained remnants of frankincense, which isn't surprising, the smaller pillar had a very well-preserved residue of cannabis. And it was mixed with animal dung, which acted as a fuel so that when it burned, the cannabis plant could reach the needed temperature to produce a mind-altering experience. 
Curiously, archaeologists also found evidence that the temple was purposely buried over only a few years later. As a 2002 archaeological report says, there are no signs of destruction by fire in the temple, but rather clear evidence of intentional cancellation. What's so exciting about these newfound discoveries is that they correlate extremely well with biblical history. While it's true that there were a few Judean kings who lived during the 8th century, one who really stands out is Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. 2 Chronicles 28 says that Ahaz didn't do what was right in God's sight, and that in every Judean city he made high places to burn incense to other gods. This is quite notable in light of the cannabis and frankincense discovered in the temple at Tel Arad. It also shows the extent of the Judeans' defiance against the Lord. Not only did they violate God's command by having a temple outside of Jerusalem, but they dared to burn impure fire also. If this indeed was the work of Ahaz, then its intentional cancellation a few years later may be direct evidence of Hezekiah's godly reforms documented in the books of Kings and Chronicles. Alright, so if you enjoyed this segment and you do want to watch it again, then you can just head over to my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Ryan Hembry, where I've posted this particular video and others as well. And remember also to subscribe so that you don't miss any content because I upload there frequently. And if you want even more of the story about this temple at Telerad, then I would really, really encourage you to visit a YouTube channel called Sergio and Rhoda in Israel. My video was actually based on their much longer video. And this Messianic Jewish couple take their viewers on amazing adventures in Israel. So make sure to subscribe to their channel as well. I believe that it'll really bless you. And that's important because YouTube is uh, the place where you have your particular channel. You have your particular channel. And Pastor Rod, we have our channel. And uh, it's important because people can get the bells that click off or that go off and remind them that, uh, you know, there's a new video on the channel. So that's very good. Mm -hmm. Excellent, Ryan. Corey. All right. The Assyrian exile of Israel. We read about it finally in 2 Kings chapter 17, where the Assyrian Empire comes in and finally takes the capital city of Samaria and is successful in having complete control now. They don't even have a client king. Now, the history of the interaction between Assyria and northern Israel is really important for understanding some of the decisions of the kings of northern Israel that we see spread throughout the history of the Bible. So let's take a look at this exile. The fate of northern Israel was to be captured by the Assyrian Empire. Assyria would exile many of Israel's inhabitants, but this was not a one-time event. The capture and exile of Israel took over a decade and three kings of Assyria to accomplish. Long before the first Assyrian capture of Samaria, Israel's capital city, the kings of Israel paid tribute to Assyria. That is, they lost their political independence. The Bible and the Assyrian records name Maniam as the first king of Israel that paid tribute, and a heavy tribute at that. The man who took the throne from Maniam's son was named Pekah, and he led Israel in a rebellion against Assyria. They stopped payment and allied with other anti-Assyrian nations. At that time, the nation of Judah was being ruled by wicked King Ahaz and spoken to by the prophet Isaiah. Ahaz would not join the anti-Assyrian coalition and instead called to Assyria for aid. 
Fearsome Tiglath-Pileser III, also called Pol in the Bible, began an invasion of Aram and northern Israel. Under Tiglath-Pileser, Assyria conquered Gilead and Galilee and deported most of the Israelis that lived there. This deportation is spoken of in the Bible, the records of Assyria, and is supported by archaeological findings in Galilee. There is a complete lack of material remains from this time period. Tiglath-Pileser's deportation was one way. The land was not resettled by him. The next wave of exile came with the destruction of Israel's city of Shechem, and most importantly, with a three-year siege and capture of Samaria, after its last king, Hosea, also stopped paying their yearly tribute. This attack was led by Assyrian King Shalmaneser V, who deported native Israelites, but this time he resettled Lower Galilee and the area of Samaria with conquered exiles from elsewhere in his new empire. Sargon II was the next king of Assyria, and though Israel as a nation had been destroyed, another anti-Assyrian coalition that included Samaria popped back up, causing Sargon to besiege and recapture Samaria in 720 BC. It's believed that as Sargon captured more territory, he would occasionally resettle the area of Samaria, causing upheaval that discouraged rebellion. The fate of the Israelite exiles was diverse. Depending on their previous lives, skill sets, and likely in many cases their luck, Israelites could find themselves well-treated, trained, and in the service of the wealthy, powerful, and even royal. There have been Israelite names found in records showing that some of them were assimilated into the Assyrian workforce as laborers, merchants, government or city officials, as Assyrian priests, or in military service even reaching high ranks. But many exiles were not so lucky. They appear as slaves and forced laborers who were kept alive to be sure, but would not have had easy or pleasant living conditions. So one of the great things about ancient Assyria is that we have a lot of their records that have still survived to today. So we can look into the Assyrian records and see what they have to say about northern Israel during the time period of the kings. And what we see really backs up the biblical image that we're given where northern Israel was not a free independent country for much of its history. It was a vassal nation to Assyria and was paying a very heavy tax tax to Assyria once Assyria kind of comes in on the scene. Uh, and, and that might help explain why there were so many dynasty turnovers in northern Israel, uh, because the people would not have been happy with having to come up with an exorbitant tax to pay to Assyria. And we see this unrest all over, not in just in northern Israel, but in the surrounding nations as well. And we see these political alliances being made, even with Judah. Uh, so it's really interesting. Understanding the, the political situation really does help us understand some of the decisions that these kings and peoples are making. Yeah, the political is uh, important to hear so that we know the decisions they make. And that's mm -hmm. interesting because that affects us today too mm -hmm. and how we interpret the Bible. Sure so, does. Very good. Janice? Yeah, so just to, to carry on, you know, Israel is carried captive to Assyria and, and um, 2 Kings chapter 17 uh, takes a look at this. And, and Rod, your, your third point in the guide today said, uh, based on verses 7 through 13, it said, the hearts of the people did not change, so their judgment was secured. 
we must change our hearts. We become like what or who we worship. And if you you take a look at at those verses, starting at seven, I've got some things underlined here in my Bible. And one thing really jumped out at me. But first of all, in in verse seven, um, for so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God. And we're reminded here, uh, you know, who brought them up out of Egypt, were reminded of the faithfulness and the steadfastness of God in their lives. Then verse 9, this is what really jumped out at me this time. Also, the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. And then it describes some of the things that they did. And once again, here we see that somehow we think that we can secretly do things with God. And yet God knows all. He sees all. And where sometimes that, that's, that's kind of a terrifying thought, it's also a very comforting thought. There is nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can say. There's nothing that I can think that God doesn't already know. So when I come to him, I can come to him trying to hide everything like I used to do when I would be a little girl and know that I was going to get in trouble from my mom or my dad and try to hide Or I can come to God in honesty and say, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I need your help, Father. Please forgive me and help to teach me how to live properly, how to live well. And a lot of times when I talk to people about being a Christian, meaning someone who follows God, someone who has given their life dedicated to follow God, they say, well, there's too many rules and regulations. I, I, You know, that's not It's not about these rules and regulations. It's about understanding who God is and what he has done. A merciful God who can atone us, who can redeem us from our sins and give us eternal life. When we place ourselves under that loving, merciful God, we want to be able to serve him. We want to be able to live well. And yes, we will make mistakes. But if we remain in that humble position of knowing who God is and that he can see everything, we have a freedom then to come before him and and truly ask him to help us. And you know what? When we're honest and we truly ask God, he will step in and he will help us. It's called the BD Family and Friends. That's the name of the channel that you can find on the Roku box that you can buy at Walmart or any other place and put it on your TV set to make the internet your TV. And uh, if you do that, you can watch us 24-7, the programs from the last year, or you can watch the 24-7 streaming live to you, and we encourage you to do that. But today we pray and we say, Lord, help us to find your word, what it says to us. And speak to us, Lord. This is what we need to know. In Jesus' name, amen.